Conversations. Welcome to Med Conversations. This is Darvel here. We're missing our female compatriot. It's just Rahul and myself. Hello, I'm Rahul. We're talking about heart failure and specifically heart failure etiology. It will be, I warn you, an episode of lists, but sometimes that's what medicine's about. Mm. You've got to have that that stuff in your in your working memory ready to pull out. Um, so we'll talk about the different types of heart failure you're likely to encounter and uh, what causes you should be thinking about for each of them. So Rahul, which ones are we going to talk about? So today we'll be talking about systolic heart failure, diastolic heart failure or heart failure with preserved ejection fraction as it's otherwise known now, acute heart failure, high output heart failure, right heart failure, and then we'll be talking about some of the precipitants of an acute decompensation of heart failure. So, yeah, again, it's a long list of things, but we'll run through them a bit later. So these are all kind of different clinical situations that you commonly encounter in medicine, and you need to know for each of them what could be causing this. At the end of all that, we'll just go through some cases to practice your newfound knowledge. So before we start on the subtypes, I thought we'd just run through the overall causes of heart failure, the population attributable risk that different things cause or contribute rather. So coronary heart disease contributes 62%, cigarette smoking 16%, hypertension 10%, obesity 8%, diabetes 3% and valvular heart disease 2%. So a lot of lifestyle stuff there. So the majority I mean is really hypertension, cigarette smoking and the big one coronary Mm. heart disease Mm. ischemic. All right, so systolic dysfunction. So that's what we typically think of uh, when we think of heart failure, and it's also what's been used in most kind of therapeutic trials as the definition of heart failure, which means that most of our medications are most effective or known to be effective in this population group. So what's the synonym for systolic heart failure, Rahul? So I guess systolic heart failure means you've got systolic <coughs> dysfunction, so you're not uh, fully you're, you're not achieving good systole, which would result mm. in a, a reduced ejection fraction, mm. which is the amount of blood, essentially, the, the, the percentage of blood that gets taken out of the ventricle after a systole, mm. from diastole to systole. And what's the echo, echo, I cannot say this word, echocardiographic definition? So on echocardiogram, a, a ejection fraction of less than 40% is considered mm. um, systolic dysfunction. Mm. And so the most common causes of systolic dysfunction, there's ischemic cardiomyopathy, which causes 40%. That's the most common. Then dilated cardiomyopathy causes 32%, valvulopathy 12%, and hypertension 11%. So hypertension used to be a much bigger contributor, um, but thanks to antihypertensives, that's gotten a lot better, and it's fallen to the bottom of the pile. And those percentages came from an Italian registry of 6,200 patients published in 2002 in the American Heart Journal, which is one of the best pictures we have of what percentages contribute to heart failure. So what were those four causes again, Rahul? So those four causes of systolic heart dysfunction, ischemic cardiomyopathy, dilated cardiomyopathy, valvulopathy, and hypertension. So for a dilated cardiomyopathy... Um, it's not always idiopathic, um, and but about 50% of them are. Um, you get 9% from myocarditis. Ischemic heart disease can also cause a dilated cardiomyopathy, um, and that's about 7%. And then infiltrative diseases, so things like amyloid, mm-hmm. can cause a dilated cardiomyopathy. And it's, these are basically where a portion of the myocardium gets dilated, and it's um, big and floppy, essentially. It doesn't pump. So mm-hmm. That's systole happening effectively. 
I always used to think it was idiopathic, but that's only 50% of cases. There's lots of other causes that you can think about, some of which may be reversible or treatable. So mm. don't forget that. All right, so we've talked about systolic dysfunction. The next category will be diastolic dysfunction. What's the synonym? So diastolic dysfunction is now known as heart failure with preserved ejection fraction. HFPF. And I think that came about because uh, you basically had all these people who have sort of preserved ejection fraction and some element of systolic and diastolic dysfunction. So it's mainly an academic thing, but you can just mm. be aware that those two are the same entity, diastolic dysfunction and heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, or mm. HFPF. Mm. And so echo... On the echo, that's uh, with a preserved ejection fraction of greater than 50%. And it's a phenomenon that's really growing in stature uh, and it's becoming a bit of a problem because we're really realizing that a lot of patients with heart failure in diastolic rather than systolic, and as I said before, all our trials are done in systolic heart failure. The causes of diastolic heart failure, so very similar list to the systolic heart failure, except dilated cardiomyopathy is not on it, obviously, because that's a big floppy heart. So you can still have ischemic cardiomyopathy, um, valvular problems, and hypertension can all cause diastolic heart failure as well. And then there's an extra list of things. If you think about it, just things that stop the heart from relaxing in diastole properly. So that's things like Hockham, hypertrophic obstructive cardiomyopathy, and then infiltrative cardiomyopathy, so that's amyloidosis, sarcoidosis, and a constrictive pericarditis. These all stop the heart from relaxing. So what are the causes of diastolic heart failure again? So to go through them again, so dilated cardiomyopathy is not on there, um, but otherwise it's similar to the other one. So that goes back to ischemic cardiomyopathy, valvular dysfunction, hypertension, and then some of the more rarer ones, HOCAM or HCM, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, and infiltrative cardiomyopathies like amyloidosis, sarcoidosis, and constrictive pericarditis. Mm. All right, so next uh, category is acute heart failure. So that's something that you see quite often in the emergency department. Someone comes, on, comes in with no previous known history of heart failure, but they're in pulmonary edema, they're in type 1 respiratory failure, their legs are swollen. So what conditions do you think about in this kind of situation? So the causes of acute heart failure include myocardial infarction. Check that troponin check if you that think troponin. that. Check that troponin, yeah. <laughs> um, acute valvular regurgitation. Stethoscopes on chest. So Get, get that stethoscope. <laughs> so that could be MI or it could also be infective endocarditis. Mm-hmm. Uh, myocarditis, um, arrhythmia. So make sure you have a look at the ECG. So that list again, causes of acute heart failure, myocardial infarction, acute valvular regurgitation, myocarditis, and arrhythmia. Next category, high output heart failure. So what's the definition of that, Rahul? So this is where you've got a normally pumping heart, but it can't meet the demands of tissue. So you're mm. essentially your cardiac output isn't meeting, meeting that demand, mm. um, and it's also known as demand-related heart failure. Mm. So. so if your blood is sucky or your body's being greedy basically mm. so anemia or thyrotoxicosis and pregnancy so they're the three most common causes mm. so high output heart failure anemia thyrotoxicosis and pregnancy so next uh, topic predominantly right heart failure so i had a case like this recently there was a patient that was had known biventricular heart failure and particularly had a grade four left, left ventricle function which is terrible end stage 
and every day I'd have a listen to his chest, it would be clear. I'd have a look at his legs where he had chronic lymphedema and chronic cellulitis and chronic DVT and they'd be swollen as always. I'm like, oh, okay, he's stable. And then eventually my registrar finally went and reviewed him and actually looked past his feet and found that he had pitting edema to his abdomen. He was in terrible, decompensated right heart failure and I just missed it because I was just looking for predominantly left heart failure signs. Um, and the thinking was that he had pulmonary hypertension secondary to his uh, left heart failure, which was now his predominant problem. Um, and he ended up diuresing like 10 kilos of fluid. It's pretty crazy. Mm. So predominantly right heart failure. What are the causes, Rahul? How do you think about this one? So I think about it in terms of things that increase your right heart afterload or mm. more pressure for your heart to push against mm. and also dysfunction of the heart muscle itself. Mm. So one of the primary, the major causes of dysfunction of the heart muscle is coronary artery disease, particularly mm. uh, inferior coronary artery disease because that's nice. when it's feeding the right ventricle. Um, you've also got all the other stuff we mentioned before like amyloidosis and things like that. But then the other big category there that we mentioned was uh, increased stuff for the right heart to push against or increased afterload. Mm. So that can be broken into pulmonary hypertension, which is primary, which is primary arterial hypertension or secondary due to pulmonary disease like mm -hmm. emphysema or, or even secondary due to heart disease like Davos patient. Mm. Um, and then other things that make it harder for the right heart to push against is uh, pulmonary valve stenosis. So you get a stenosed calcified valve, which increases the pressure um, that it has to create to get that blood across. Um, and then pulmonary embolism in the acute setting can create, mm. if it's large enough, it can actually create um, so much of a blockage that the right heart has less, a very high pressure to push, it, push against. Mm. And that's dangerous. So right heart failure can be caused by coronary artery disease, or increased right heart afterload, which is pulmonary hypertension, pulmonary valve stenosis, and pulmonary embolism. Okay, so final group of causes here. So what, this is what I most commonly see in general medicine, patients that have come in with decompensated heart failure. So known heart failure, we're doing well, pretty stable, and they come in short of breath, huge legs, that kind of thing. So what's the most common cause there? Uh, non-compliance, I would mm. think. So people who don't uh, follow their strict fluid balances or eat too much salt, um, don't take their diuretics properly, um, and also people who just exercise too strenuously for their yeah. dysfunctional heart. It's not, it's not easy to do to follow all that. Mm. And uh, if people keep coming in with those kind of problems, you need to set up like a heart failure plan so they weigh themselves daily and if they you know, notice a certain amount of weight, they go see their GP. Mm. Um, and the other major cause is kind of other conditions. So they could be heart-related, so their hypertension might be getting out of control. Make sure to get their blood pressure. Arrhythmias is another cause, particularly AF. I see this all the time. Patients um, that have known heart failure then get a few runs of AF, and that sets it all off. And then conditions outside the heart, so infections are very common. Uh, pulmonary embolism is another. Anemia um, and atrial fibrillation. And what I, what I tend to see a lot of is uh, people come in with pneumonia, which then uh, causes their AF to go off, which puts them in heart failure. And then you give them furosemide, which lowers their potassium, which then makes the AF worse and then gets their heart failure worse. It's just a... It's beautiful vision. <laughs> beautiful. It's a delicate dance in mm, general medicine. Yeah. Delicate dance. Um. Yeah, so those are the main causes of a, an acute decompensated heart failure. But I think it's good to remember that you know, almost anything, because the heart is so central and integral, mm. can cause your heart to sort of mm -hmm. um, decompensate. 
And the other one not to forget is another entirely separate cause. So they might might have had heart failure because of uh, ischemic heart disease, but there's nothing stopping them from getting infective endocarditis and blowing out one of their valves because of that. Mm. So you have to think of that too. So in summary, precipitating causes of decompensated heart failure, think of non-compliance first and then concurrent conditions, so heart-related and outside of the heart, and finally, a second primary etiology of their heart failure. All right, so as promised, we have some cases for you now. So these will be pretty quick, um, and I'll just kind of set the scene and test Rahul. Mm. So a seven-year-old guy comes in with, up with comes in with edema to his mid-thighs, has a distended abdomen, JVP up to his ears in the sitting position, but his chest is clear. You send him off for an echo and find he has an estimated pulmonary artery systolic pressure with the normal range being 15 to 30 of 55 millimeters of mercury. So what type, what type of heart failure does he have and what's the likely cause? So we're hearing a lot of right heart symptoms there with mm. edema, mm. Um, distended abdomen and an elevated JVP. We're also <coughs> hearing that he doesn't have the, the crackles on his chest and his chest is actually clear mm. and it, you know, gives it away with the pulmonary artery systolic pressure being elevated. Mm. So we can actually see that this is likely right heart failure um, caused by you know, a bigger pressure for that right heart to push against, mm-hmm. uh, pulmonary hypertension in this case. Mm. Uh, next case, so we've got a frequent presenter with known severe biventricular heart failure, secondary to coronary artery disease, comes to the emergency department after her daughter found her very breathless. On, on examination, she has crackles up to her mid-zone, JVP up to her ears, pitting edema to her mid-thighs. When you try to talk to her, she's very withdrawn and gives single-word answers to questions. Obviously, you can't make a spot diagnosis on three bits of information that's 100% specific and sensitive, but what's an important thought? Um, so the frequent presenter part um, makes us, uh, you know, well, let's let's go through her uh, signs, actually. So she's got crackles up to her mid-zone, JVP's elevated, pitting edema. So she's in biventricular failure, mm. frequent presenter, and she seems to be a bit shy, I guess, here. <laughs> uh, maybe non-compliance to mm. therapy and fluid restriction and all that. And you, you might want to consider depression as a thought as well. I'm not, I'm not diagnosing it with depression, Rahul. Okay. I'm just saying you might want Dice. to think about it. <laughs> Heart failure is a very difficult condition, and often we manage it poorly in a palliative point of view. Like it's, I'm often told by palliative care consultants the best thing to die from is cancer because we've got that figured out. But heart failure, end-stage heart failure, not so much. Okay. Anywho. There's actually a specific um, the, um, psychopathology related to heart failure, and I know Monash has a bunch of psychologists who work on their team in the heart failure unit because right. of all that comes with it. So the other thing to mention there is uh, cardiac rehab, a little plug for cardiac rehab. Right. It's really important, uh, just like That's stroke true. rehab for patients with heart failure. Absolutely, yeah. Case three, 75-year-old guy, previously well, presents with acute onset difficulty breathing associated with acute chest pain. Well, that sounds like an AMI, but let's hark back to another podcast, which I hope you've all listened to. Um, We mentioned our six emergency presentations, our six emergency differentials for chest pains. Can Rahul remember them? Can Davor remember them? (laughs) That's the game we're going to be playing today. Davor, number one. Uh, Pneumothorax. Tension pneumothorax, Mm. yeah. Number two. Aortic dissection. Great. Number three. Pulmonary embolism. Great. Number four. Acute myocardial infarction. Uh Uh-huh. And number five. Esophageal rupture. And number six, bring it home. <laughs> hmm. That's right, cardiac, cardiac tamponade. There we are, <laughs> double on the button. All right. 
Okay, so always, you know, think about all of them, but in this case, it sounds like an AMI. Um, yeah, but don't forget pulmonary embolism in particular, with shortness of breath plus chest pain. Mm. Got to think about it. All right, fourth case, seven-year-old lady presents with biventricular heart failure symptoms that we've talked about already. Her echo shows a normal injection fraction, though, and her ECG has reduced voltages. Again, not nothing here is diagnostic of anything, but an MCQ, what might be an option that you'd be looking for? So in this case, we think about diastolic heart failure or heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, which is easy because the echo showed us normal ejection fraction. Mm-hmm. Um, but we see we see those biventricular symptoms and we see this combination of reduced uh, voltages. So maybe a cause in this case uh, would be infiltrative amyloidosis, something like that, which can reduce your ECG voltages. Um, normally, the most common causes of heart failure with preserved ejection fraction uh, Hockham and left ventricular hypertrophy secondary to hypertension, which we mentioned earlier. So case five, patient comes in with uh, biventricular heart failure symptoms. ECG shows R wave in lead one and S wave lead three. When you add them together, it's 30 millimeters. Greater in 30 millimeters is greater than 25 millimeters, which meets the criteria for Rahul. For, well, the electrical criteria for left ventricular hypertrophy. Correct, yeah. And then you do an echo and it shows preserved ejection fraction. What should you definitely think about? So I guess in this case, like we were talking about earlier, you can either be thinking about hokum or just left ventricular hypertrophy. Done. Um, yeah. Good. All right, thanks very much for listening, guys. Uh, we put up a quizlet on the topic. And uh, tune in next time. There's going to be a series of heart failure podcasts, including management evaluation maybe some physiology as well so great thanks very much thank you bye med conversations